Welcome to episode 15 of the Prep Files podcast. You are joined by your hosts, Amy and Tyrone. On today's episode, we will be running through, I think it's our most debated topic between the two of us, and that is, should you make your food taste good during prep? Now, we're going to dissect this and go through a number of different ways that we prep our food and what we recommend to our clients, as well as a bit of a spin on, I know we have different opinions on this, so you'll get a bit of both sides from both of us. And Tyrone, how are you? Amy, how are you? Yes, it's uh, great to be back for this hotly debated topic that we usually go through almost on a daily basis, I reckon. I'd say daily. We have this conversation and not only just between us, but between everyone in the gym too. There's there's two sides of, I think, the equation. I think I'm more on the rarer side, whereas I think you have a few others uh, to back you up maybe here. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I definitely do win this debate most of the time, especially uh, in the gym at work. So, but hey, whatever works works sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So, what we want to know today is what we're debating today, and what we always debate is during prep. And this is we're talking more specifically about the fat loss phase um, or the back end of prep. Is just should your food be tasty, and how tasty should it be? And that's going to be covering a wide range of things between having any sort of processed food or uh, what sort of carbohydrates to I mean salt and pepper really exactly I think at the end of prep your choice of sources and flavors tend to be quite bland and plain even if it's not on purpose I find that you just tend to gravitate towards simple foods and when we say simple foods now you've got your whole foods And then you've got your processed foods and then you've got like your junk air quotes foods. So yes, we are, I suppose we have different opinions on this, but when it comes down to it, we're still eating whole foods. We're not going out of our way to eat meals out, I suppose get takeout, things like that. We're still prepping our own meals. Ours is, I suppose, a little bit more in terms of flavor and making it taste good. So there's obviously two sides of the equations. For me personally, I keep my food quite bland and plain and I do use, you know, herbs and spices here and there, but I'm not going out of my way spending hours in the kitchen. Just for me personally, I find if my food tastes really good, I then just think about it all day, every day, especially during prep. And the fact that my calories do get quite low being a smaller female. So my portion sizes, I suppose, aren't as large as say someone like yourself who is say dieting on upwards of two, between two and 3000 calories. So for me personally, I just crave it more. I just can't stop thinking about it. I know for you, it's a different story. Yeah. And definitely on my end, I mean, look, despite me being able to diet on probably almost like a thousand calories more at the moment than you are. At the end of the day, you and I are basically still eating the same foods, like you said. I mean, if I run through my 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 meals, like both of us at this point in time during both our preps would be either on the spud light or the pumpkin train, which is what I'm on. But it's just a, a wide range of, you know, your your veggies might be two veg, whereas mine is five. And then I've got herbs and spices and you know, on my spud light, I make sure there's garlic and onion and there's some dried herbs and salt and pepper and, you know. Like my steamed potato. 
Yeah, and for for me on a personal point of view, now look, I'm I'm, I'm going to preface in, this in saying that for me on a personal level, it doesn't take me any extra time. But at the same time, I do have a food background. I was a chef for, for eight years out straight out of high school, so. For me, it does come very naturally. So it doesn't take me any extra, any extra time. But at the same time, I do know a couple of people within the gym space that whether it takes them extra time or not, but they do take that extra effort and put it in uh, and make sure the food is tasty, whether it be, uh, I mean, I know one of my clients, you know, he has sauces and, you know, deglazes and whatever else. And, you know, but he logs it. He- I know some clients that will like wash, soak, steam and then air fry their potatoes and I'm like I could not think of anything worse than spending three hours in the kitchen for my potatoes that are going to go in two seconds now that's just me personally some people would be more than happy to put the effort in and hey if you've got the spare time to do all that be my guest I'm definitely not going to stop you but you won't see me doing it personally I've been through that with the potatoes I don't do it anymore I'm very much on the uh and this is this is volumizing my food. Like I'm on Spud Light, but at the same time, I am just boiling them. But when I boil them, I am putting some herbs and spices, you know, some garlic, some parsley afterwards, just giving that extra bit of flavor. But I do boil them so I don't lose volume. With Spud Light, they do stay the same weight or roughly thereabouts after you boil them because instead of losing so much so much weight when you let's say you roast them or something. But I have been through that uh, double and triple cooking. But for me, like on a, on a level where if I don't have, if, if my food's not tasty and if I'm not satisfied from my meal on a taste perspective, then I will literally go hunting and searching and I can sometimes become a crazed madman. But at the same time, like I also know what foods will and won't trigger me. Like I don't have corn chips in my meal plan because yeah, I'm like a Pringles commercial. Once I pop, I can't stop. So Things like that I won't have, whereas, you know, it's my spud light, it's my chicken is is baked and marinated. And I, you know, I will utilize some low calorie sauces like, you know, some light sweet chili sauce or some Nando sauce or some sriracha, something like that. Something that's really low calorie. It, it all is still logged at the same time. There's two sides of this. I think there's the ones that if they don't, if they restrict themselves to the point of not having it at all or not allowing it to taste the way that they like, then they are, as you said, hunting for more food and they end up overeating because they should have probably just eaten the thing that they were craving to start with. And then you've got the other side of the spectrum where it's like, okay, now you can have a small amount of this food that you like. And that is going to then lead them into that spiral of now I've had a little bit, now I want more and I want more and I want more. So it's definitely person and personality dependent. I find with a lot of my clients, even though they may start off with, say, making their food taste good and they go out of their way to be a bit more creative in the kitchen, I do find towards the end of prep, if they haven't like by about 12 weeks out, their food becomes quite basic and simple and they sort of create their own meal plan just because of the amount of time that you are spending throughout prep, getting your steps in, getting your training done, not to mention your full-time job that you've still got to do if you have kids, um, other commitments, family, partners. So if spending that little bit extra time in the kitchen isn't something that you're able to do, then I think if you can save time somewhere, that's the place to save time. Steps take time. You can't cut them short unless you want to go out for a run and get them done a little bit quicker. But I think time in the kitchen is probably where I say if you can cut it shorter, 
and you can create more time for other areas, then absolutely go for it. And hey, if you take you make your food taste good, it doesn't take you any longer. Like there's no problem with that. I agree. And it's definitely one of those things where you want to minimize the amount of effort, or well, not effort, but the amount of time you put in because you know you do have so much to do during that back end of prep. But you know, full disclosure, I am of the, you know, I, I have a leaner cut of meat, so I can have some chocolate in the evening. And I do have spud lye and and or pumpkin or I've even gone to turnips to be fair. Scraping the bottom of the barrel there. Which are the same calories as about pumpkin, but a little bit more filling and a little less mushy. So I can have, you know, I can have some some low-fat ice cream in the evening. And for me, look, I've I've been dieting in some sort of aspect and I've come a long way where I wouldn't be able to stop, but now I can. I can have, you know, 100, 120 grams of ice cream in the evening with some sugar-free maple syrup and I'm done. I'm like, okay, I'm done. That's that's the end of my day. That's where, that's that's sort of a signal for me to to finish it off. And I do, like, I've got another client that's the same. Um, he can do the same thing, but at the same token, I've got someone else who, you know, we're nine weeks out and we've just switched around him from some fatty meats and put him on more lean meats. And I said, okay, so let's have some dark chocolate in the evening. And he finished the block and it was like, okay, that's not going to work. Let's sub that out. And we subbed it out for, for something like olive oil because it became a trigger food for him. And it wasn't something that he was able to prep on or even keep in the house to be fair. And And this is also where it is very important to have that sort of pre-prep fat loss phase before, you know, you do a build or a maintenance phase, because this is where that's where you'd be able to iron out these things where you can find out what your trigger foods are, where you can utilize time and, and save time. And also what you can handle, can't handle, what is going to suit you best from a, a taste and lifestyle perspective. I think it comes down to also just knowing yourself because I don't know how many people, even just gen pop clients, they will always test themselves like they know they can't control themselves say around a block of chocolate but they'll go to the shops and they go oh this time will be different I can do it this time it'll be fine I can portion it and it's just knowing yourself and being real and saying you know what how many times has this led to me overeating or has this led to something worse so just being real and being like you know what I actually can't have that in the house and if it's like other family members or it's housemates like letting them know hey look this is what I'm doing and um, I can't have this in the house and if you can hide it or put it away or somewhere so I'm not going to see it every time I open up the cupboard then it's only going to benefit you and it's only going to help you and your journey yeah that's definitely going to make a massive difference look it's definitely not a time at the back end of prep to start trying new things uh, that can possibly or potentially lead to you going off the rails and look let's be frank and we're going to put this out there I don't know if I've met anyone who hasn't had one instance where they've gone off the rails uh, within prep. So if that is you and you have tried something, gone off the rails and it led to a one-day binge and God knows how many calories you've eaten, it's normal. It's okay. Don't stress. You're putting your body through the extremes. So at one point you are going to snap. Trying to take it to a place that it doesn't really want to go to and it's going to try and fight back and that might be through whatever cravings that you might have. So it is completely normal, but you know it might be little things where in the pre-prep phase where you, know, you are having milk chocolate. And this is something that I generally will advise, like, okay, let's try dark chocolate. And then that that obviously is more of a fat source rather than obviously fats and carbs. And then we're like, okay, 80%. No, no good. I sometimes get people go as high as 95 and go, okay, listen, this should be bitter as fuck. If you can binge on this, which 
full disclosure, I can, and I have done before. Stomach doesn't like that. Um, but if you can do that, you get to that point and you go, all right, look, uh-uh, it's, we're, we're out here. And it, it, look, it could be something as simple as, as potatoes. I mean, and, and telling you now, at the back end of prep, potatoes taste damn good and they taste even better when you've got no food, you're tired, you're hungry, and you're getting some sort of carb or sugary food in. Honestly, at the back end of prep, anything tastes good. You know you've dieted long enough when whatever you're eating tastes good. Now, there are definitely foods that you'll eat during prep and you'll think this is amazing. Now, when you get into the off season, you're fully recovered and you try and eat that food, you'll go, why the hell did I enjoy that so much? Because your taste buds do change when you're going into prep and you're deep deep into that fat loss phase, your body is just craving food. Doesn't matter what it is. It's just food. Get in me at that point. And that's definitely where a lot of those sugar-free chocolate and caramel sauces, they, when you're not hungry, they are terrible. But when, like you said, when you're deep into prep, they can be the most delicious thing. And that's again, where you'll find and go, okay, oh, this is actually going to set me off or not. But at the same time, this is where you need to look at and go, okay, when it comes to, let's say, sugar-free foods or sugar-free sauces, you know, are they going to set you off or are they are they going to be your best friend? And let's say for me, for instance, they are my best friend. Um, they help me, but I can utilize it. And, and let's not forget, like, full disclaimer, you still need to weigh your sugar-free sources. They still have calories, albeit a lot less calories, but they still have calories. So they still need to be included in your macros. But where are sugar-free foods going to be helpful for anybody that can sort of handle them? And then I say that on a perspective from people that can handle them from a psychological level, but also from a gut level. And this is very much so... Hey, I myself, I have overindulged in a lot of sugar-free things, whether it be sugar-free ice blocks, sugar-free syrups, sauces, etc. And I'm telling you now, your gut does have a threshold. You ingest enough of that, you will shit your pants. Oh. It's a thing. It happens. And I'm telling you now, especially, actually, you know, the biggest one is sugar-free jelly. Oh. A lot of people, because it's so light and it's so easy to eat, you could easily go through like a packet of that in a day or two days. You know what? I've actually not. I've actually used sugar-free jelly for a client who couldn't go to the bathroom because it made her shit themselves. And it does. It honestly does the same thing for me. I don't have it any. In, I don't have it during this prep. I had it during my photo shoot. And I tell you now, my toilet was my best friend. More than it usually is, you know, as, but I, I have used it. I don't know what it is in there. I, I couldn't even tell you off, off the top of my head or if I, I'd have to look at the ingredients, but there's something in there that just makes clients' guts go absolutely nuts, you know, after a certain amount. And, and this is where you may get bloated from sugar-free foods. And I know there's going to be somebody out there that listens to this and goes, oh, but the studies say that they're not bad for you. No one's saying they're bad for you. No one's saying they're bad for you. But it's, it's just as much as how some people can handle digesting broccoli and some people can't. Some people can handle sugar-free foods a lot better than others. And some people will get bloated as fuck and this is not ideal. And don't be shocked that if you're 
digestion changes throughout prep as well because when you start prep you're eating an abundance of food you've got abundance of body fat abundance of energy and then you go into a prep and your gut does become quite sensitive like you know they say your gut is essentially your second brain so it is a big vital part of the body and as digestion goes throughout prep things do slow down and things do change so something that you may have been able to tolerate easy at the start of prep versus the end of prep they could be two completely different things and you have to just make those swaps on the fly because I know myself I was having a lot of pumpkin throughout my prep the first time and I actually got to the point where I had to swap out that food choice and I had to swap it for something like rice even though the portion size is a lot smaller but my gut had got to the point where it's like I have had enough of this you need to change up your food sources and that's where we hit that plateau for me where in about a week's time I had gained about five kilos just of inflammation fluid and water and I literally just changed up my food choices and that inflammation came straight back down so it can be something as simple as that that can be stopping you in prep if you're having that weight plateau and you're having a lot of sugar-free foods and your weight isn't dropping and you're doing your cardio you're doing your steps you're putting in the work but the results just aren't showing maybe have a look and just see what nutrients you are ingesting because the chances are that your body may build up an intolerance to them yeah, which at the end of the day, and we've spoken on this many, many times, it comes down to a stress factor and how much a you know an immense amount of stress, whether it be external stress or stress you know on your gut from food choices, will play a factor on you know what your weight does and how much water and fluid retention that you have just from that chronic cortisol that is being produced. So, but in saying that, let's just brighten the mood up a little bit and go. Okay, so Amy. Best food hacks or food volumizers or best things that you do when you go from your improvement phase into your fat loss phase. What about a, a little bit of this for that? Okay, so at the start of your prep, I do generally try to keep food choices the same. Like I'm not going to get someone to really volumize their foods heavily at the start of their prep because they've got a long way to go. And if you're doing between a 20 to 30 week prep and you're volumizing your foods from day one, you're probably not in a good state to do a prep because it's going to be a really long 25 weeks. So usually at the start of prep, I will get people to start off with even myself, um, rice, sweet potato, potato, things that I had been eating in the improvement season to start. And as hunger levels increase, I will swap things like rice and sweet potato for pumpkin, spud light, lots of vegetables, um, I don't really change much from whole foods, to be fair. Like it's all vegetables, carbs, and protein with your good healthy fats like avocados, um, nut butters, oils, butter. Yeah, it's basically the staples. I, I don't really go too far from that. Yeah, I think those are going to be the biggest ones. Is Look, your dieting is going to be like your training. If you throw, let's say, all the training, all the volume, all the cardio, all the steps in all at once, you know, you throw the whole kitchen sink, you got nothing left when, when she starts to go downhill. Just with a reduction of portion sizes until it becomes sort of unmanageable or just really silly, like here's 50 grams of cooked rice. That's just silly. Like by that time you should be replacing with Bud Light or Christmas potatoes or, you know, your pumpkin and extra veggies. And even things like just straight swaps, moving those high carb fruits from let's say bananas 
to then blueberries to then strawberries. And I think a lot of people don't don't realize that strawberries then have half the amount of carbs that blueberries do. But you also want to try and get as many micronutrients as possible. So you might work, you might do that in a blend. Polymizing your foods with whole foods is probably the best way to go. I would not look at introducing those sugar-free foods really to be fair at all unless they've been sort of having them in that improvement off season and they can have them within moderation because you've got to remember if you're having say a regular maple syrup if you're having a regular maple syrup on your oats you're probably having what 20 to 40 grams now if you're having the sugar-free syrup I guarantee you you're probably having double that just because of the extra, the lower calories, but you get more for bang for your buck, basically. So even if you're having those sugar-free foods, you shouldn't be having twice the amount just because it's lower calorie. You still want to stick within portion size. If you're having, say, 20 grams of regular maple syrup in the off-season, and then you want to continue this through prep, like go for the 20 grams of sugar-free syrup. But I challenge you to stay with the 20 grams. A lot of people can't, and a lot of people end up overdoing it because they can. It's going to be one of those things where, you know, maybe it might be a case of testing it before you get into prep and then seeing how you sort of go from there. But definitely it is going to be one of those things, as we said, you know, when it comes to the sugar-free substitutes, you definitely want to be weighing those because they are not calorie-free. I know if, let's say, if there's some, you know, US products, they will say calorie-free because they have an allowance of however many calories that they can count as calorie-free. I'm just in the mindset of if you're eating something, it's got to consist of something. Like if you're eating a solid food, there's got to be some kind of calorie attached to it, whether it's, you know, one or two calories versus 100 calories. If you are consuming something, there should be something that follows. So no matter what you're having, whether it's these sugar-free drinks that say they're zero calories whatever they are, if you're a client or you're working with a coach, continue to log them because it's something that we look at, especially when we look through people's food logs and food journals and we can see exactly what you're consuming. That way, if we do hit a roadblock and we can see you're having half a litre of a sugar-free Coke every day, you know what, that might be something that needs to go towards the back end of prep as the stage gets closer and things need to get tightened up. Yeah, it's one of those things where like I myself – for even in the improvement season, I might have a sugar-free, you know, Pepsi Max or, or Coke Zero or something, mainly because from a personal point of view, I don't like drinking my calories. I like eating my calories. So that's something that I know that I can handle and stay pretty, the word's not obedient, but I can be pretty on point with that. But at the same time, you know, you do want to be weighing everything. It's a difference between using and abusing them, I think. When you're having them in moderation, we're not saying that they're the worst things ever. Honestly, if you're going to go for a Coke, I'd rather you go for a Coke Zero, just save the calories. There's no nutritional benefit in Coke whatsoever. So save the calories for something that is actually going to benefit your body and have the sugar-free one just for enjoyment purposes. But if you're abusing them towards the end of prep and you're drinking more Coke than water, then that's a problem. Definitely, if you're if you're drinking more Coke than water, then we've got some serious issues. And maybe maybe the maybe the prep life just isn't for you. And there's nothing wrong with that either. From a food hack perspective, definitely, you know, there is the option of making your food tastier with those sort of sugar-free foods um, and sugar-free additives. But at the same time, if you can't handle that and if you do start abusing it, then it's it is a time and place where you're going to have to go. Okay, I'm just going to have to go with boring plain food. 
because that's what I can handle and that's how I am. And if you can't do that either, then maybe it's just not for you or it's just not the right time for you. You might have too much stress going on where you can't manage all that stress and then the food focus at the same time. And you may just need to put it on the on the back burner and go, okay, now is not the right time. I need to do this at a different time in my life where things are a little bit more stable and I can handle uh, you know, the hunger levels and the food focus a little bit more. I think sometimes there'll be a lot of coaches that'll just be, you know, suck it up, push through, which there is a there's always a certain aspect of suck it up, push through. You're gonna have days where you feel like shit especially towards the back end. But at the same time, if you're abusing sugar-free foods and you can't stop and it becomes a constant thing, then maybe it's time to just go, you know, I need to do this at a different time in my life. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's definitely no no shame in uh, in pulling the pin and going, you know, now is not the right time. And then for other people, it's a, it's a case of, I can do this. I can have 120 grams of low-fat ice cream a night and be done with it, really. And it's not easy. It's not easy. We're not saying this is, you know, the easiest thing. This is the reason why not everyone goes through a comp prep or even just a dieting phase in general. It's not easy. It is going to require a lot of work. And this is why you should be working alongside a coach that is supporting you through this because it's something that you need to be honest with yourself, but you also need to have someone else keep you accountable and reel you back in when things start to lead a little bit astray. And I mean, at the end of the day, if you look around, the reason why we have an obesity epidemic is mainly because people can't stop eating processed foods, calorie-dense processed foods. It's not because everybody's getting fat and broccoli and mushrooms and beans and chicken breast. Trust me, that is definitely a reason. It's like when people go, oh, I eat healthy. Like, you got 40 kilos to lose, mate. You're not... Yeah, you're not eating chicken, broccoli, and rice every day. So, you know, there's no shame in in trying to achieve what, you know, probably 99% of the population couldn't achieve um, and wouldn't even dare about thinking. And I'll keep eating my uh, boring, plain steamed potatoes, and you can keep enticing me with your herbed, crumbed, whatever you want to call them, potatoes throughout your prep. No, no, no. There's no crumbing here. They're just boiled, and then they crisp up a little bit in the oven at work. The inner chef is really showing. There's a method to it, you know, just because... Look, I respect it. You know, I have salt and pepper and herbs and the waft that comes through the gym is is incredible. You know, I can't... You know, what am I going to say? Look, I mean, send us a message. What's... Do you like your food tasty? Can you handle your food tasty? Or is it something that you struggle with and you need to go towards the plain food and have a bit more boredom. It's the only way I can put it. I can only put boredom. Well, you're really selling it here. I can only put boredom in front of it. Sorry, Amy. But look, at, at the same time, I mean, we've got someone who has a delightful oat cake and maple syrup every with cinnamon in the morning. And I swear that thing just, it's the highlight of my morning, just being able to smell it. Even though I'm having... Yes, she is one of my clients. So I'm not 100% you guys have to eat steamed potato and that's it, I promise. I do have that flexibility with others, just not for myself personally. If you are really enjoying what we do, guys, please leave us a review. Share the episodes around as well. Send it to a friend, send it to a colleague, send it to somebody you know that might need need some help or just need to have a listen to our voice or, you know, maybe just want to spread our voices around. So you can find us on Instagram at the Prep Files podcast. You'll also find a question box if you'd like a topic or question answered. You can also find me on Instagram at Amy Dorrell. 
And you can find me on Instagram at coach underscore Folino. That's F-O-L-I-N-O. You can also find us both down at 381 Swan Street, Richmond, Victoria at Enterprise Fitness, where we both spend all of our time when we're not meal prepping, buying all tasty food. Talk soon.